The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox and Will Brinson here, joined by our Pick Show squad, Alex Selznick and Emery Hunt of Sportsline. If you hear my voice, too, you know that this is a Picks show. If you missed the last episode, the Super Friends recapped week one of the NFL season. You had Breach, Wilson, and Brinson. Brinson, whatever your name is. Uh, the show was great. It was actually Branson, a lot Branson. of fun. I uh, yeah. Shout out to Ryan Wilson, who did a decent job leading that show. Could not keep it under 90 minutes, though. And I, I know I hope that haunts him oh. all week long while he, while he thinks about his failures as a leader. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm just sure, kidding. I'm, I, sure, I, I'm I, sure it will. I purposely sure dragged it. Was like, it, was like, it was right at like 128, and I purposely added like something else on just to drag it over 130, just to ruin Wilson's evening. Well, and yes. And, and, you know, hosting these shows and keeping everybody in line because, you know, uh, the powers that be would like these shows to be an hour tops right. long, but it's not exactly an easy thing to do. And I feel like sometimes, you know, not everyone knows that. So now uh, now Wilson knows it is a very difficult thing, especially when you go through an entire slate of games. Yeah, it's hard. Really hard. All right. Well, the show was a blast. And uh, if you haven't watched it, make sure you check it out on YouTube um, or if you just want the audio only, wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, guys, hit the subscribe button uh, so you don't miss another episode. Today, we are going to look at early lines uh, and leans for week two. But before we do that, we could kind of chit chat a little bit and talk about some of these week one NFL betting trends. Underdogs, nine and six against the spread. Road teams, 12 and three against the spread. Road dogs, eight and two. Unders went 11 and four. A surprise, anybody? I, I, the unders doesn't really shock me. I'd be curious what um, you guys think. Like, Alex, do you, like, what was more surprising to you, the road teams or the unders? I mean, road teams going 12 and three against the spread is pretty shocking. The fact that road dogs were eight and two against the spread, like, if you, I mean, I didn't do very well against all my picks. Uh-huh. Um, I will say I had I had Al, um, Alan Bell on Moxie Bets today from Sportsline. Great, great guy. And uh, I got I got killed this week. I got killed in primetime. Like Kadarius Tony yeah. is dead to me as far as I'm concerned. Um, I got killed on both primetime games. But he said week one, he mostly does profits with interceptions and punts. And he absolutely cleaned up. And week one, moving forward, I'm betting interceptions hmm. and punts. Yeah, I mean, it's sloppy. There's only three preseason games, right, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, I I was more surprised. I wasn't surprised by the unders, more surprised by the success from the road dogs. I think with the condensed preseason, with coaches unwilling to risk their starters in preseason, there was just a lot of sloppy football, just not a lot of cohesion. A couple teams looked like they were in midseason form. But for the most part, I think teams were really stuck in the mud. It took them a quarter, even a half, even late into the second half to really kind of find their footing. So, yeah, across the board, I thought like individual performances even as well uh, were pretty subdued in comparison. So I expect week two to be more offensive, a lot more scoring. And I think a lot more individual success as well trickle down from that. 
Emery, what do you think about teams not playing any of their starters in preseason and kind of what that does to week one? Now, we know Joe Burrow, of course, was injured. When you look at that Browns and that Bengals game, and especially some of these where the starters didn't play at all and they should have. Right. When you look at weather combined with these dudes playing a full 60-minute game at 100% where you really have to go, you can't fake live in practice. It's one of the hardest things to do, no matter how much you try to simulate. And preseason is not really 100%, especially for those guys. So you're going to see this every year in week one. I don't know how many times I've said this, that week one is the extension of the preseason. Mm -hmm. Um, So expect numbers to be low, unders. And I really don't buy into the homo in a way you talk to someone that only won nine games in his college career. So we was bad on the road. We was bad at home. It didn't matter where we played. So I'm not buying that. Usually the better team will win out. So, but yeah, the unders is, is totally a thing when you got guys that hadn't played a full game since last season. Uh, by the way, six, only six teams scored more than 30 points. Um, those teams were the Jacksonville Jaguars. More than 30, 30 or just 31. 30. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 49ers will get to the, yep. The, um, so the Jacksonville Jaguars scored 31. I'm trying to remember if the Jaguars had I can't remember if they had a I don't believe so. Yeah, they didn't and, they, and, and two of their two of their scores 14 points scored in the final 5 minutes of that game wow. when they were trailing in in sort of scramble mode. Um and they had a 52 second punch in by Travis Etienne like late in the game. So I mean it's like, you know, I mean could have easily been under 30. Uh then you also had the 49ers who scored 30 points. I want to say no. They did not have a defensive score. They just looked good on offense. Brock Purdy. Look, 49ers looked out in. Nobody's nobody's questioning that. The Green Bay Packers dropped thirty eight on the Bears. Bears defense is really bad. They also had um, a Quay Walk thirty seven yard interception return. So they could have been right at thirty. You know, again, like defensive scores makes a little bit of a difference there. Miami had thirty six. That that was just the game of the week. Yeah. Into a total shootout between two offenses who were ahead of the curve. Uh, you had the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Who scored thirty? As everyone everyone predicted, um, <laughs> you 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 kind of did. You've been I've been hating. I was on right Rams about one thing, <laughs> but and Emery, help me out here because you're a big Seahawks backer. They got really helped out with injuries to Seattle. Sure. Both of their tackles went down, but yeah, still still. But, but the Cowboys being the other one before you jump in, Emery, where they had two defensive scores or two defensive right. So that's fourteen points. Where so you would you, you know you probably score twenty six if not for that. So it's like. If you look at it, even the teams that got to 30, there were only a couple that were just like, like, all right, these offenses were really, really clicking. Yeah. And I mean, to be completely honest, we saw, we rarely see Pete Carroll get out coached. He got out coached by Sean McVay in that second half, like totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really appears that Sean McVay just has Pete Carroll's number. Also, shout out to Tutu Atwell <laughs> and uh, Puka Nakua, yeah. who are looking yeah. like a prime Tory Holt. And uh, Isaac Bruce, because that was an unbelievable performance between the two of them. They combined for, I want to say, almost 240 yards, 16 receptions between the both of them. No Cooper Cup, no problem. Was shocked to see Seattle's defense uh, just really kind of fall short. I knew once the tackles were gone, it was going to be hard for the offense to really move the ball. But, yeah, that was just a really good performance from all three phases from the Rams. Really impressive. I would also add, too, that I think, look, uh, the Rams, it's, it's week one. You don't want to overreact. Like it's, Rams are probably not going to score 30 points a week and be this dominant yeah. offense without Cooper Cup and, you know, um, with with all this. Thing. But, like, the one bet that I that I, that I I was on that I feel like, man, I need to look and see if the odds are back up for defensive player of the year. Mm. But Aaron Donald was a force of nature yeah. against the Seahawks. And, I, and this is sort of the argument that I was making about 25 to 1 coming into the season for the three times, three times, three or four, whatever. He's wanted a bunch. Um, like this dude is the best defensive player of our lifetimes. Like since like Lawrence Taylor is the only other guy that like, I think comes close to what Aaron Donald's done. JJ Watt right in the same mix, our colleague JJ Watt, but like Aaron Donald, when he, he can single handedly transform a defense and destroy an offense's game plan. And he did that against Seattle. And I, I really think that, People are sort of treating it like, oh, is he, did he go? Is he over the hill because of last year? But in reality, he just missed time because the, the Rams shut him down because the season was over. Like he didn't need to miss all that time. He could have played. And I think, I think all of that talk 
he, he you they the cameras were all over him at the end of that game and he was walking around and he was like he he had a very much a oh you thought Aaron Donald was gone and I am not gone I am here and if he plays 17 games like that defense doesn't have to have all the talent in the world because he can single-handedly disrupt an offensive game plan and I thought Matthew Stafford looked really good too I you know the the MVP uh, vote thing maybe <laughs> still alive he's definitely alive like if Matthew Stafford drags Puka and, and Tutu into, into like a, into a three and one start or something, like he's going to be in the mix for, for MVP. And if they can protect him, and like this is all again, it's just a week one. You don't want to overreact. But I just think that, like, to me, that's one where, um, you know, the, the Aaron Donald stuff, like if Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford get a full season and play the way they played in week one, the Rams are a lot more, they're still the second best team in the division at best, but they're a lot more dangerous than people thought. Were there uh, any other teams, uh, Katie, any team that you thought where you were like, oh, oops, or like, not, not like oops, but like, well, okay, I, 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 I want to readjust my priors, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. One one thing that I had right this weekend was I did have the the Dolphins money line. It was at plus one forty. So I was happy because I said too, until the Chargers stop losing games in the last couple minutes of the game, I'm not. Yeah, the Chargers going to charge basically, and that's exactly what happened. But I will say, oh, well, you're looking at me crazy. You're looking at me no, crazy. No, here. no, no, no. This is a Beachbod Stafford Stafford. I get it. But I will say the Giants surprised me the most. Um, but I don't think the Giants are that bad. And Emery, I want to get your take because you spent some time at Giants camp this year. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for this team. And not to take anything away from the Cowboys, but there was just so many errors. Are the Giants this bad? Nah. And, um, and again, drawing from reference, I remember my Sophomore year, we played Jacksonville State. And at the time, Jacksonville State was still a FCS or 1AA, as you call it. They came out there with the fattest quarterback I've ever seen, the <laughs> fattest running back I've ever seen. It was raining, and we got drummed. It was like, bro, none of this makes sense. And it yeah. started from the opening snap to the end of the game. It was like, what is happening? That's exactly what happened with the giant snap. But once stuff started rolling downhill, it's, it's all you're yeah. gonna have those games. It will happen to you at some point during the season. So with the Giants too, just sort of looking ahead, like you could maybe argue there's a little bit of value here with the Giants. Um, I know that uh, if you if you go to sportsline.com and you can use promo code PICK to get your first month for a dollar. Um, RJ White, uh, who, who does our pick show with us on on Thursdays, has an article up where he he says like, here's what I, how my power ratings would have the lines, and, I, and I'm not gonna we're not gonna give them all away, but it's like. The Giants, he has the Giants minus seven at the Cardinals. The actual line is Giants minus four and a half. And that's probably in large part reactionary to the Cardinals looking pretty good and the Giants looking like absolute crap. Uh, Alex, do you think there's any value there in taking the Giants against an Arizona team that, I mean, all due credit for the effort they put forward, but like yeah. still have to ask, like, you know, is this a good football team? Yeah, I absolutely think there's some value on the Giants. Looking at um, Arizona, really the defense played well. The offense was terrible for the most part. A shout out to the Commanders' defense; they definitely did their part. But yeah, just not a lot of not a lot of confidence inspired when we're looking at a Josh Jobs-led offense. They could not move the ball whatsoever in the second half. If Sam Howell, uh, if, they, if the Commanders took a more aggressive uh, game plan and approach, I really think that game could have gotten out of hand. I think they just relied heavily on a conservative game plan and their defense to keep things low scoring and close. But yeah, I think a Giants team led by Brian Dayball, obviously very creative. They're going to bounce back. This is a great spot against the Cardinals team that performed above expectations. But really, I just think this Giants team is completely going to outmatch them. I agree with RJ's look. I think they should be a heavier favorite getting the discount because of the week one performance last night. But yeah, I think there's a lot of value in the Giants. Emory, I believe you also had yeah, Emory, you had this actually as one of the best bets you sent in. So my bad for throwing, throwing it the opposite way, but you get the point. Right. You want me to do it now or you want me to wait? Till I say that? throw it now. We'll just go and do it now. Well, listen, this this is something, this is an interesting game. And we're going to look at it from all three sides. We're going to look at it from a player side, from a coaching side, and from a scouting side. So I'm going to put on my three different hats, right? Wow. So let's start with my player side, right? Let's start on the player <laughs> side, right? So we know strength comes from up top. Power comes from below. So when your power is directly tied to your glutes, your hamstrings, and your quads, anything fluky with that, you're not going to be as powerful. You're mm -hmm. going to be strong. So let's bring up the scout report, Billy. Andrew Thomas, 
questioned with his uh, his hamstring, right? So let me take this hat off, the player hat. Okay. So you want to go into a coach and be like, hey, coach, um, I may not be able to have be as twitchy as I usually am. So I'm going to try to overcompensate and try to guess a little bit. So put my scouting hat on right now. I'm a scout, right? So <laughs> Billy pull up the scouting report on Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas was my number one tackle prospect in the draft class. And the reason why, tremendous athlete, big bouncing bear, good footwork, had the outstanding uh, pro day and, and tested well at Georgia. So when your athleticism, yeah, I guess Billy can't pull it up. I guess when your athleticism <laughs> is your, uh, your strong suit, you're facing a guy that has a lot of power, there right? Oh. There's the scout report. my number one tackle in the draft class. So now, if you are looking at who he's going up against, you bring up who has a chance to make you test your power and your explosiveness, a guy mm -hmm. that has physical strength. Pull up Cam Thomas of the Arizona Cardinals, who is my number one five technique. And the reason why we scout five techniques is because they can play on the outside. They can play also on the inside. They're good with their hands. They're shocked. They can walk you back. That's going to force you to trigger those hamstrings. And if you're having a little bit of an issue with a hamstring, even if you're 75%, the other guy's at 100 you're going to give up something, right? So now you focus on if I'm the Cardinals, I'm going to put Cam Thomas over a guy like Andrew Thomas because I like that power versus an, a, a shaky hamstring. Now we flip over to the other side. You got Evan Neal, a right tackle. Pull up that scouting report. One thing I liked about Evan Neal is the fact that he is someone that has great brute strength, but we've seen in the last two years he struggled with twitchiness so who's twitchy on that team Zayvon Collins I'm I gave him all the scout reports so these are supposed to pop up as we talk so I'm just running through it uh, so <laughs> Zayvon Collins is twitchy was my number one outside linebacker in that draft class and when you look at Zayvon Collins going up against a guy that struggles versus twitch that's a great matchup now we go to the outside right we love the fact that Wink Martindale will be in your face and also uh press you constantly so who's the matchup out there Josh Dobbs mobile quarterback versus Isaiah Simmons, who's probably going to be more of a spy because the worst thing you could do is press and try to, you know, play press man versus a mobile quarterback. Isaiah Simmons revenge game, by the way. We know he's going to turn and run anytime that happens. So scouting reports matter. So we take this off and put my oh. coaching hat on. So okay. now if I'm, if I'm Brian, if I'm uh, the Cardinals coach Gannon, what's going to happen? I'm going to put my best guy, my strongest guy on Andrew Thomas. I'm going to put my twitchiest guy on um, Evan Neal. And was we saw last week, we saw them have, oh, this past Monday, or Sunday night, them have communication issues and trying to pick up stunts and twists. Now Daniel Jones, who's already skittish in the pocket, is going to be even more skittish because of this matchup. And if you are want to beat Wink Martindale, have a mobile quarterback. My Josh Dobbs scout report compared him a little bit to Andy Dalton. You know, this is someone that is very mobile, very apt to kick to pick up those cheap six or seven yards so now you're going to either force wink martindale to play off man which he doesn't mm -hmm. want to do or play zone which he definitely doesn't want to do it's going to make that offense look a little bit more functional it's going to put a lot more pressure on a guy like uh you know on a guy with uh that has issues in in uh, pocket presses in daniel jones so you isolate neil you make andrew thomas show his hamstrings are correct and you use Wink Martindale's over-aggressiveness against him by keeping Dobbs on the move, this game will be a lot closer than people think. This mm. should be a three-and-a-half to four-point mm. spread. So moving it up to seven, if if you find it at seven, man, take the Cardinals and run to the bank because this defensive matchup versus the Giants, who still only have solid twos and threes, they really don't have a bona fide number one. If they do as well, you could take him out the game with bracket coverage. There are some questions you could have about this Giants offense and the matchups here in week two kind of equal itself out with what we saw this past. Uh, so you're saying you like the Cardinals plus the four and a half and like if it, if it creeps up. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Cardinals. All right. All right. Well, that's what they call him. The czar of the playbook. He wears many hats. There's a helmet uh, there. You could have tossed on, by the way, like you could have, I, if I could fit that helmet, it's not wrong. <laughs> I know I would, I would toss on this like state helmet, but it was like, I would end up like, like snapping an earlobe or something <laughs> like that. Um, all right, Emery, I don't know what hat you're going to put on for this one, but I have hats. <laughs> okay. I'm out of hats, well, but yeah, but I don't know when you give your explanation of this, you could, you could be whoever you want to be for this, but all right, looking at the Seahawks um, and the Lions, obviously Detroit uh, upset the defending champions on Thursday night. Uh, Seahawks were kind of routed by the Rams there on Sunday. As such, this line has moved a lot. The Lions 
Lions actually opened as two and a half, three point, depending on where you got it, uh, favorites on the look ahead market. Seattle got pretty banged up in week one, lost both of their starting tackles. Is this line movement justified? You know, you've been really high on the Seahawks, but you're kind of leaning Lions minus five and a half now. No, no, I just put it down mine and a half. I'm looking at mm. this line. The reason why I talked about ah. it is because what we're going to see, uh, if we look at what we saw versus the Chiefs, Jared Goff was still kind of Jared Goffish, right? So if you're Seattle, yeah. are you kind of turning up the pressure on Jared Goff? Do you trust your corners versus those guys that have that wide receiver? The benefit for Seattle, they don't have a 2 2 out that's going to fly past you in, in, in open field coverage. They don't have someone of that, you know, capability yet until they get Jameson Williams back. So you might be safe in how you play coverage. We know Jared Goff is skittish versus pressure. So that should be a better game defensively. The problem for Seattle is they're going to face a defensive line that's probably a little bit better collectively than what they faced in the Rams. So those tackles will be put to the test with Aiden Hutchinson, with Kaminsky, who also had a sack. We may see Isaiah Bugs play this week. Uh, so all of that could be a, a cascade of problems for Seattle's offensive line. We'll see uh, how this works out for them. I think the best way to help out a banged-up offensive line is to run the football. We saw the Chiefs have success running the football, but they got away from it. They got too cute. And we'll okay. see if Isaiah Bugs plays. If he doesn't play, then this is not going to be a five-and-a-half-point spread. We're going to see Seattle try to shrink this game, lean on their run game. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to take Seattle plus five-and-a-half against Detroit. Uh, Alex, I'm curious what uh, your thoughts on uh, specifically Jameer Gibbs here because I thought he looked, he looked awesome against the Chiefs. Um, didn't see a ton of snaps. Minimal minimal playing time relative to like what we sort of expected. They, they leaned on David Montgomery. And Dan Campbell came out after the game and basically said – yeah, it's his first game. We want to see him. Wanted him to get some live action, get some reps, and we're going to crank up his usage here. Um, do you think there's going to be value? And it's too early in the week because you know we're not going to see these props released until later in the week. But do you think there's potentially value here? Uh, one, either in that futures market, maybe Gibbs is number. Uh, we'd have to go look what it is for rookie of the year, but like probably down past ten to one after that usage. And then two, um, will you be eyeing any props with uh, with Gibbs in this game? And how do you feel about the the the, the Lions minus five and a half overall? Yeah. Uh, first off, I was incredibly encouraged by Jameer Gibbs. I had high expectations going into the season. As you know, Brinson, I liked him for potentially winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. I thought, even thought he was a sneaky selection to lead the division in rushing yards. You could get him, I think, at close to 15 to 1 odds to do that. But certainly encouraged. Obviously, the usage was disappointing, but I understand it's week one. It's a long season. They're going to rely on him heavily. But he was so fast. The way he was accelerating, he was tripping up. He was so fast. His ability to get to the outside to make plays out of uh, seemingly when he's uh, you know touched in the backfield was very very impressive. I think this kid is going to be absolutely dynamic, phenomenal when he starts having a solid, consistent floor of fifteen to seventeen touches. He is the threat to score the, the football every time he touches the ball. Uh, I want to see his usage increase a little bit. I'm hoping to attack. Uh, I think the best way to attack him probably for the time being is going to be uh, on his longest rush and his longest reception. Yeah. Because of his big playability, he's a threat to go 15 plus yards anytime he touches the ball. So that's how I'm going to do it until I see him have a solid, consistent floor as far as the touches go. As far as Detroit's offense is concerned, really lacking perimeter speed. I think we saw that kind of slow things down in the second half. Amon Ross St. Brown started to struggle a bit just not having any real perimeter speed on the outside kind of allowed the safeties and corners to cheat a bit there. I think they're going to miss Jamison Williams until he gets back in the fold there. As far as Seattle is concerned, I do like this spot for them to potentially bounce back. Absolutely. I think everything went wrong in that week one performance. I'm very bullish, very high on Seattle as far as season long is concerned. So yeah, I think this is a good spot for them to get back to business. And uh, yeah, I think week one, it's really easy to overreact. Obviously yeah. we'll see a much more consistent performance from that. I, I mean, this is a huge line, like spread movement in terms of, yeah. and, and it, I think it's interesting too, it can kind of inform um, a, a talking point here. And I know this is, it's going to be a short lived talking point because we're recording this on Monday. It's like about two 30 PM in the afternoon and the game's at eight o'clock at night, right? Uh, the Monday night football game between the jets and, and the bills. It's going to be an awesome game. Um, you know, no matter, even if it's like a blowout, it's still like the, the hype for this game is, is, is so worth it, but you have the, you have a team and, and I, I point this out because the lions were on the look ahead line in week two, were like minus two and a half as Katie noted, right. Versus the Seahawks. 
Seahawks lose to the Rams, Lions upset the Chiefs, and you get this massive three-point jump. Well, the Raiders versus the Bills, the Bills are minus nine and a half right now. If the Bills go into New York, or New, New Jersey as it were, and <laughs> whip up on the Jets, this line is going to jump above 10. Yeah. Like this line is going to move. And so I think you're 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 sort of you're forecasting a bit. It's it's kind of like a weird mental parlay here. But like I would get on the Bills now because I think the Bills are going to beat the Jets. And yep. if the Bills look awesome, Katie, and, and they come out and they dominate, you know, you're going to see this line move and you won't be able to get the Bills at under 10. It'll get closer to um maybe even 11. And I think um Again, not to give away the the you know the thing, but you should go check out sportsline.com and RJ's article. He has the Bills as as minus twelve against the Raiders. Um, your, your boy Jimmy G looked good. Any thoughts on uh, any thoughts on whether the Bill you would want to jump with the Bills now, or do you a little hesitant because you think the Jets might win on Monday night? I think the Bills are going to win um, tonight. I, I'm on, and I don't. Well, I guess we're not talking about Monday night. I'm on the under in this game. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring, but I do think. Look, Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about preseason and stuff. This is this is an entirely new group for Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty high on the Jets this year, but it's going to take some time for him to get acclimated, and that O line still is a little bit scary. So I'm I think the Bills are going to do well. It's interesting to look at also next. Monday night football, you got Jets at Cowboys, exactly. depending on how the Jets do tonight. Right now, Cowboys minus three after, you know, going 40 zip. I believe it was like their biggest shutout in franchise history. So kind of looking at both of these lines, I was, you know, it's so funny because obviously we know I'm a big Jimmy G girl and I was texting Brinson after seeing the way that Brock Purdy played and then seeing Jimmy G played. I was like, wow, I'm really glad that we have Brock Purdy and not Jimmy Garoppolo. But I will say in QBR ratings, Brock Purdy was number one after uh, week one and and Jimmy G was number four, top five QBR ratings. So it's again, Jimmy G is not a bad quarterback. He is a serviceable quarterback and he can get you those wins. Um, but when it comes to looking at Raiders and Bills, nine and a half is a big line. But to your point, I do think they're going to win this game tonight. That line could get into the double digits. I would grab it now. And then looking at Jets versus Cowboys, that's one where I would wait and see what happens tonight. I do think this this three is going to move, but I don't. I don't really I mean it's it's hard to say how good the Cowboys are because yes they looked really good but also the Giants could not have been worse. We, we didn't see anything from so the Cowboys offense gifts. at all really. Like you didn't learn anything about the like whether yeah. positive or negative like you can you can point it both ways. I don't think you learned anything yeah. about it. Um if the Jets if the Jets offensive line is a major problem against the Bills. Yeah. With the Cowboys pressure, yeah, this line right is going to creep up past 3. It's also Monday night like do you want to fade Aaron Rodgers? Um all right, we need to take a break. But first, this Sunday, we can't wait for another NFL on CBS. Doubleheader, the early games are headlined by Chiefs, Jaguars, and the Raiders taking on the Bills. Then it's a huge showdown in Dallas when Aaron Rodgers and the Jets face a huge test against Dak and the Cowboys. It all begins at noon Eastern with JB and the guys on the NFL today. All hail Sunday. The NFL is on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Anthony Richardson, can he bounce? Will he bounce back? Will he be able to play? We'll tell you or try to tell you next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Anthony Richardson banged up at the end of the game. Emory, we you know you, you're a, you're a, you're a Colts man through and through. Uh, I'm curious whether you were encouraged with your preseason Colts pick um, by what you saw from 
Anthony Richardson in that game, that offense, and if how concerned you are for Richardson, you know, getting hurt in his first game as the starter uh, with all the rushing attempts with, under Shane Steichen. I understand the snark and sarcasm, and the cool part is that when we let this stuff play out, when we when I wasn't sarcastic. Well, no, I'm talking. I'm no, I'm talking about in general. Like, gotcha, you, gotcha. You have defensive bench, Princeton. That tells me something. But I'm looking at this kid right here, research flatter, because I saw him in the comments last. Oh, week. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And the cool part is. When I'm right, I want to see a dumbass back in this thing once again. Right? <laughs> but here's the thing. We saw a team in Indy play really well, right? Against Jacksonville, who everyone yeah. thinks will win the division. They That's actually right. had a lead in that game. And think about this. They had a lead in the game with all of us at running back. Like, imagine this with a very good running back. Not even Jonathan Taylor level. Just a good running back, right? I think that's going to be the key. And also, I think coaching got Indianapolis. They left how many points up on the board trying to go for it on fourth down? They lost mm-hmm. field position battle. Those situational football things matter. It could have actually beaten the Jags by double digits. So I'm not worried. I was actually encouraged by what we saw from him because it didn't look too big for him when you juxtapose that to the other rookie quarterbacks that were out there playing in their first game. So he played really well. Not worried about it. He's a big kid. I think his ankle got rolled up on. But we saw him show that fight, especially on that fourth down. He was like two yards stopped short of the fourth down marker, but got it anyway um, after contact. I'm fine with it. I, I think he'll get better this offense. What was impressive, and this was the underrated part that people didn't you know, bring up when I was bringing up my point, look how good that defense looked. They really shut down that run game of, Indy, uh, of Jacksonville. They got after uh, Trevor Lawrence. So this defense is actually pretty doggone good. They're they're able to play ball control. And if Coach Steichen can get out of his own way, dabbling with the analytics, want to go for it on every fourth down and kick the field goal and punt the ball sometime, you might pull out some of these games. And we've seen this last year or two years ago with um, the Eagles head coach and uh, how he was doing all of that. Then by midseason, he kind of got his wits about him. was like, let me just play good winning football. And we saw them get into the playoffs. I feel like this is the same thing with Indy. I'm actually encouraged by what that offense was able to do with a rookie quarterback. Prop stars, did you learn anything about Anthony Richardson? Any kind of leans or things you're looking at for him in the prop market? I was very encouraged by Anthony Richardson. Despite an ultra-conservative game plan, I thought he played very well. Look, we knew he could run the ball. We knew he was a freak athlete, one of the best athletes ever played the quarterback position, in my opinion. But, yeah, I was actually impressed with his it was the ability to throw the ball over the short and intermediate parts of the field. Looked very polished for the level of experience he has, not really having much of a sample size, like dating back to obviously his collegiate history. So very encouraged with that performance. It makes sense how he won that job so quickly in the preseason and why the Colts, uh, all the players are, you know, very high on his long-term outlook. But I think the Colts are going to be competitive this season as a result of Anthony Richardson. I was not encouraged by the Houston Texans, Mm. their opponent. Uh, on either side of the football, C.J. Stroud has a long ways yeah. to go. That offense has a long ways to go. Defensively, this is one of the worst defenses in NFL history last season. I'm sure it's going to improve a little bit under D'Amico Ryans, but the, either sides of the football did not look good in Houston. Uh, I'm way more confident in Anthony Richardson and this Colts team, especially in that matchup against the Texans. So I like them at close to a pick em. Hey, wait, wait, yeah. time. I just want to jump right there. Did anybody see the Tennessee Titans play yesterday too? <laughs> Coastal look like the second best team of uh, uh, you know yeah. in that division, right? Yeah. Damn, who said something like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, the interesting thing is, I'll say this too on the. I think the Jaguars. I like that. Emory, uh, is the, the, the long hold. The, I, I think that. I think that. Yeah, I like definitely encouraged by Anthony Richardson. You know, he had, and we said this on the recap show, but like he had his ups and he had his downs. He's going to have those. That's just the type of player he's going to be. This is not going to be a guy with a consistent floor where, you know, he does it like he's going to be real high, real low. Um, The Jaguars, I thought the Colts had every about everything. Like that was sort of the Jaguars Super Bowl or the Colts Super Bowl, like a home opener, rookie yeah. quarterback, first year coach, yeah. um, you know, division opponent, division favorite, and, and they like. I mean, they got that insane touchdown from Demi- from DeForest Buckner going back the other way that you'll never see that again, probably. Um, you know, Richardson scores one passing, rushes for one as well, and I, I think that like the fact that the Jaguars still scored thirty one points. Trevor Lawrence looked fantastic and still got the win on the road in week one against it. It's like exactly where the Colts have always lost to the Jaguars. Um, I would, I would suggest that like, I think the Jaguars hype and like the Trevor Lawrence MVP stuff 
uh, is still very much worth a look. Um, of note, uh, Lawrence still at 15 to one at DraftKings for for MVP. Tua took by low a tie now with Patrick Mahomes for the at seven to one for, for six yards. Tua threw yeah, for 66 yards. Got to play the whole season though. Burr plus seven fifty, which is not great. You know, not, I mean, this is fine. Josh Allen eight fifty. Jalen Hurts eleven to one. Justin Herbert twelve to one. Um, you know, J- Justin Fields drops down a little bit. We see Jordan Love and Brock Purdy all the way in the forties up now. Sean Watson twenty five to one. I just think the fact that Lawrence played as well as he did, and I thought he played really well. And didn't move up, uh, prop stars. So I, I tend to think Lawrence is a pretty good look at MVP. Still at fifteen to one. I would completely agree. I, I have high hopes for this Jacksonville offense. I think Cal, Calvin Ridley made an absolutely massive impact yes. there as well. Having an alpha wide receiver one who can pick up first downs in tough situations proved to be very, very positive for this Jags offense. Their balance. I thought Travis Etienne looked really good. Mm-hmm. I like how they got him involved in the receiving game as well. There's just a lot of weapons. We only saw Christian Kirk with one catch for nine yards and they still put up 30 points so in my opinion they're still upside when we're looking at this offense breaking it down they're skilled at every single position they finally have an elite alpha type wide receiver who can win pretty much against any uh defensive back so i think this jag this jags offense is going to score a ton of points i think they're going to make a big leap as well which we'll see is always kind of shined on favorably when we're looking at mvp candidates so i like trevor lawrence quite a bit i think he's got a lot of value where he's presently at should probably go ahead and just point out too, just to get it out of the way, that I think that the Chiefs uh, Jaguars over under fifty one. Uh, it's going to be hot as sin down there in Jacksonville mm-hmm. for the Chiefs having to deal with it. But I didn't think that like the way that these defenses looked in Week One, like Indy was able to move the ball pretty effectively. Travis Kelsey probably back, uh, Chris Jones probably not back, and the Chiefs defense you know didn't do a great job against. Detroit, right? And I think Jacksonville is a much more, not a much, much better offense. Detroit's a really good offense. Um, I think we could see a track meet here between these two teams. The weather being the one thing that would worry me, the line hasn't moved up a, a ton. Um, still just 50, it's still just 51. It's hard to see a number of 51 in week two that's going to go flying up. Um, but I would lean towards the over in this one uh, for this week. Although, I, I, you know, you got to be a little cautious betting that type of over because if you're betting it on Monday, like how many points is it going to go? It's not going to close at like 54, I don't think. And you don't want to deal with like injuries throughout the week. So that's uh, just just a thought there on uh, Jacksonville and well, first uh, of all, and the Chiefs take yeah. prop stars take the under on all of Kadarius Tony's props. It'll be interesting to see just how low those prop lines are. I mean, it might be like at one and a half receptions or one reception because I would not throw the ball to him unless my life depended on it at this point. Are you going to take any Kadarius Tony props ever? I'm really concerned with the Chiefs receivers outside of obviously Travis Kelsey. Sky Moore did not look to be on no. the same page. He was a guy I like. Uh, Richie James should not be on an NFL roster, in my opinion. Kadarius Tony just made mistake after after mistake, uh, Rishi Rice looked like the best wide receiver yeah. on the Chiefs and obviously made a couple mistakes there as well, but just looked like the only viable guy who Mahomes had any sort of continuity with. Uh, I think it's going to be tough to find additional options when we're looking at this group of guys outside of Kelsey. I think even when Kelsey returns, there's going to be there's someone needs to step up and provide him uh with some help. So yeah. I think things are tough right now in Kansas city. Jarek McKinnon did absolutely nothing. Uh, it was just really tough sledding in that second, second half, especially for Mahomes. They need Kelsey back in the worst way. And even when he is back, I don't think that necessarily solves some of the problems they're going to feature or have without, you know, any sort of viable options besides him. No, because you're going to double and triple team uh, Kelsey because that's the only receiver that they have. All right, Prop says you're not going to like my take on this one, but in looking at the Vikings and the Eagles uh, coming up this Thursday night, I'm actually going to take the points with the Vikings, and I know they just lost to the lowly Bucks. But if you watch that game, the Vikings were the better team. They outgained um, the Bucks by nearly 150 yards. They just had those really, really bad turnovers, Kirk Cousins, oof, and then there was that pick in the goal line. Most of that happened in the first half, and then they just couldn't cover, couldn't overcome it. You, you got to think that they're going to clean that up. They're going to play a little bit more conservatively. And from what I saw with the Eagles offense, and I do know that the Patriots defense is legit and they played really well, but it kind of worried me to see how Philly played in this first game. So I actually, I think that Philly wins this game, but I'm going to take the points with the Vikings. 
Seven and a half points is a lot of points. I agree. The Eagles' performance did not inspire a lot of confidence. I do know that the Eagles, their primary, uh, what they want to do primarily on offense is attack down the field. I do know that that's going to take some time to develop uh, with the receivers. I think Jalen Hurts not having played in the preseason, not having the offense gotten any preseason snaps, definitely caused the Eagles to kind of look out of whack. Definitely a difficult environment as well, playing in New England against Bill Belichick on the road. This Viking secondary does not look very good. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I think the Vikings are going to be able to move the football uh, against this Eagles defense effectively, especially over the middle of the field. This Eagles linebacker core, really some huge question marks. N'Kobe Dean went down. He's out for the next month. They're signing guys off the street right now to play linebacker. The Eagles have struggled even when they're at their best to cover the middle of the field. I think that could equate with a lot of TJ Hawkinson. I was also very impressed by Jordan Addison, the rookie wide yeah. receiver for Minnesota certainly looks to be like he's going to be a big time player and big time part of this offense right away. So I think we're going to see a lot of yards between the twenties. This is the game. I'm going to try to get as many pieces as possible yeah. as far as props are concerned. And yeah, I, mean, I was, I was surprised too. Like the Vikings, um, the Vikings had a 10 to three lead uh, sort of getting close to half. And then Mike Evans catches a touchdown for Baker Mayfield. They go to half tied. Justin Jefferson had 136 receiving yards in the first half and finished with 150. Like, what are you doing? Like, feed Justin Jefferson. You know, like yeah. the offense looked way. And don't get me wrong, like Jordan. Uh, oh yeah, and Addison had that. It was a yeah, touchdown was in the first half. Uh, and, and and Jefferson looked a little frustrated. I'll be curious to see how they attack that too with like Darius Slay in there. Uh, Slay obviously had that pick six against the the Patriots. Um, but yeah, I think uh, this is an interesting one. From what is the Eagles' offense like? Is the Eagles' offense like? Is it is it going to struggle a little bit or like, like what, what, what are we, what are we going to come away from on Thursday saying about the Eagles offense relative to uh, relative to this past week? Because I think it's possible that we'll say, Oh, the Eagles offense is still very good. Yes. The Patriots defense is just really good. Here's the thing. Uh, we remember this game last year when the Eagles beat the brakes off the Vikings and that's still, still the case. Now you have a Vikings team that doesn't have a Delvin cook. There's no threat of the run game and you got to improve defensive line for the Eagles. They're about to unleash on uh, Iceberg Lettuce Cousins with all those empty <laughs> calorie stats like we saw. Um, and so until he's able to figure out pressure, it's going to be a rough day. And we still have to figure out if this team can stop the run. Did they make those necessary improvements? So playing against a team on a short week where we know run game and defense pressure is, is going to be key, I still worry about the Vikings in this spot. I think the Eagles can win by double digits. I, mm. Yeah, the, the, I don't think we learn anything. It's like you stop the Bucks from running the ball. It's like that's congrats. It's like you know, congratulations. Like you know, you turned five. You know, like like it's like, like you had a birthday. Congratulations. Like you made it to five. <laughs> the Bucks averaged seventy-five rushing yards per game last season. Yeah. By far worse than the NFL. Somehow they look like they regressed running the ball. That was just absolutely terrible. Look, it's a Vikings defense that I don't think anyone thinks is going to be. Very good. So that Bucks offense is uh, in, in tough shape. Welcome, welcome to Kirk Cousins Island, Katie. That's <laughs> what we're saying here. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a quick break. We have more leans and early lines when we come back. You're watching Pick Six. We don't get a try run. We only get one last. So enjoy the ride. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! All right. Back up six. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I I didn't know who was coming in. You were Me either. You got, you got a, <laughs> a year, so. uh, it's fine. It's it's a Monday. It's, it's it's week one. 
So it's like just like NFL teams, it's still like the preseason for for, the, for podcasting. Um, <laughs> we mentioned the Dolphins and Tua. Tua being seven to one now to win the MVP. Um, that's a firm fade for me at seven to one. You know, great week one. Tua can get involved in the mix, but like seven to one tie with Patrick Mahomes, especially when he's heading to Foxborough to play the Patriots. Who, again, like I'm not trying to like I picked the I picked the Patriots to beat the Eagles. They didn't. Almost and- did. It was a lot closer than I think even the, the final score indicates because the, the you know the Eagles had that short field they had yeah. the pick six from Darius Slay and it's like two games two instances where um, one like you could have um, you know like like it, it, it wasn't a great throw by Mac Jones but it was popped up in the air catches it and, and takes it to the house and Mac should have tack- done a better job tackling and then Zeke Elliott maybe don't fumble pal um, they, I love the Patriots catching two and a half from the Dolphins here you know the Dolphins are really? traveling across the country. You're going to Foxborough, a place where, like, I mean, you know, Belichick. No, Bel- I think I think Bill Belichick is a lot more confident in his team than he. Like, I think his confidence level is a lot higher than we expected. I thought Mac Jones looked really good in the second half of that after after that slow start. Looked really good in that game against an Eagles defense that is, you know, look. Fangio is a great coordinator. Um, you know, the Dolphins definitely have uh, the ability to, to to cause problems, but the Chargers ran all over them. And the Patriots' run game should be able to get going this one, and then Max should get some play-action looks. Uh, Bill O'Brien, a very, 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 very clear upgrade over Matt Patricia, which we all knew. Um, I like the Patriots catching two and a half. I think this should probably be closer to a uh, pick em. Anybody have uh, thoughts on on, on on what we saw from the Patriots' defense? All right, I mean, cool. Moving on. Yeah, no, they, they were they were they were really good. Yeah, they were really good. Well, and you heard Tony Romo say after the game too that he thinks that the uh, the Patriots are the real deal yeah. and they're going to win more games. And I think people think that they will. Two and a half. I don't I don't know if I could ride this one with you. That seems pretty close. When we saw the offensive output that the Dolphins put on, but I agree with your, you know, your analysis um, on this. Uh, moving on to the Saints and the Panthers, we have some differing takes here, Alex. You're on the Saints uh, laying the field goal. Brinson has the other side, so we'll let you start. Yeah, I know Brinson likes these Panthers, but I was impressed by Carr's performance, his debut with the team in the second half in particular. Finally, they realized what this trio of wide receivers can do. Chris Olave had the big monster second half, just looked absolutely unguardable. I think they should have been going to him more aggressively early, figured that out in the second half. Uh, Rashid Shahid looked phenomenal, explosive down the field as well. Michael Thomas, I know he's an injury risk, but for right now, he was definitely working the middle of the field well. So I was impressed by Carr's performance. I think they were conservative early in the game. Uh, I also don't know why Taysom Hill is still on the field. I thought with Sean Payton vacating, that would be the it for Taysom Hill. I respect the guy. He's got versatility and all that, but just I don't think that he's really a fit. I think it kind of disrupts the rhythm of the offense when you're taking Carr off the field to have Taysom Hill just run into a wall. Uh, so hopefully that can get cleaned up in week two. Uh, but yeah, I was impressed by the Saints team defensively. They played better than I thought they would as well. I know Tennessee's offensive line was struggling, but they held Henry pretty well. And uh, yeah, I think the Saints team could be the best team in the division. And I like them against this Panthers team who looked outmatched to me and just no help for uh, Bryce Young. The, the receiver problem in Carolina, I think, was Fully evident on display. Adam Thielen cannot separate whatsoever. Uh, Mingo is going to be a mixed bag as he's a raw rookie, kind of learning the nuances of the position and uh, just not a lot of help for Bryce Young. So I think the Saints are a much better team top to bottom personally. So, so here's here's sort of my take on, on getting the three with the Panthers. And if you look on the – if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that it's Saints minus three at minus 115. So you can actually see that creep up uh, a little bit. And if you're getting three and a half, I, I really like the Panthers, obviously. But um, Carolina, Carolina didn't – Carolina didn't look great. Bryce Young had two really bad picks against uh, the, the Jesse Bates uh, snare. But I, my my take here is that I'm a little I'm wondering like, I mean the Saints put up 16 points. Like Ryan Tannehill went 16 of 34 for 198 yards and three interceptions with no touch. Like you can't play a much worse game than that. And the Saints won by one point. Like, yeah. and I don't think that we think the Titans' defense is necessarily like. I mean, I think it could. Be, the question is, where do we think the Titans defense and where do we think the Falcons defenses are? So my hypothesis here on taking the three points with the Panthers is that I think the Falcons defense is better than people expect um, and, and will be better. And that's sort of adjusting the prior. Like, all right, you know, I like the Falcons coming in. I really like the Falcons now. I think that defense can be really good. Um, and then the Titans, if the defense is if the defense is that good, like, like I think the Panthers and Titans defenses can be comparable. 
and I don't know that this, I don't think that the, like the performance from Tannehill and, and Henry is necessarily about the Saints defense could be wrong. You know, you're now traveling on the road to Carolina. Um, I think the Panther stadium should be rocking with a, you know, with first, first home, first look for this fan base at Bryce Young. Uh, I thought Bryce Young looked good. You definitely have some concerns about um, the two interceptions he threw, but generally speaking, I, I think maybe getting three as a home dog there, three and a half. Uh, I'll, I'll take that with the Panthers. Think they can keep it closer than people expect. Speaking of home dogs, the Pittsburgh Steelers are mm. a dog of two points, Emory, to the Cleveland Browns. Now, How is I'm inclined. Good? Yeah, I'm inclined to take. That's uh, is that Monday night? Do we have a double header next week. We do. Ah, oh, I didn't wow. think they were doing that. Love that. Oh, wait, the, the Saints Panthers is Monday Mondays. night too. Oh yeah, Monday night in Carolina. I'm like, you're down for that game. Uh, <laughs> get rocking at Bank of America. Get loose in Charlotte. Uh, yeah, so that's a, I, yeah. Uh, definitely give me the three points of the Panthers on a Monday night. Like home, home. We can put money line parlay to home primetime divisional dogs. Yeah, wow. buddy. Uh, on Monday <laughs> night, and that's also a fun little DFS slate too because uh, you get the the two games. But the Steelers plus two here, Emory. Cleveland's defense looked awesome. And and Kenny Pickett and the Steelers and the Steelers offense did not. So that's a big red flag. I understand the love for Cleveland. I'm just inclined to take the points with a, like an overreaction from both sides here that Cleveland's awesome and Pittsburgh stinks uh, because of the matchups that they had. Uh, here's a unique part of this game. You got a uh, first of all the Saints Panthers game. You got Bible Belt cousins in Derek Carr too. Like mm. he fools you. He's tricky. But when you think about this game here, and you you kind of have to look at that game against the Bengals and realize that weather really affected everything in that ball game. But some things you can extrapolate, like the, the Browns' run game and the Browns' defensive front. Now, you look at what San Francisco was able to do, uh, Pittsburgh. In football, everything around the point of attack, whether it's running the football, blocking up front, pass protection, rushing the passer, everyone's responsible for a gap. And when you watch that game, it looked like the Steelers were a gap short against San Francisco. Go back and look at that 60-something yard touchdown run for Christian McCaffrey, where was the gap, the C-gap backer? Where was that guy in the alley? Where was that guy that was supposed to protect the outside? There was no one there. So he had free reign to the outside and outran everybody to the end zone. And we're already a quarter of a way. I'm cashing his over on his rushing total prop, thanks to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he had, a, what, 150 in that game? And his rushing yards total for the season is like eight-something. So mm -hmm. definitely feel good about Definitely that. low. Really, yeah, finished with 152. Yeah, he's yeah, and, and and offensive player of the year too. Numbers very good. Yeah, so he's he's you know when you look at Nick Chubb, and here's the thing: you expect coaching to fix up being a gap short. That's going to be the adjustment that we'll see them make. The problem now this week is that you face an athletic quarterback in Deshaun Watson coming on the outside. So now you have to look at okay, do we overset to the front side, try to stop Nick Chubb on that outside zone, or do we keep that backside defender at bay? And, you know, allow him to cut back lane to work himself back across the formation to get deep. So this is just a bad matchup within the front seven mm -hmm. for Pittsburgh and how they play. When you couple that with a guy in Deshaun Watson and his ability to throw the football, look at where Brock Purdy has success um, with guys running wide open. It was at the intermediate level of the field. You look at that game last week against the Bengals. There was a lot of guys open on the middle of the field coming off play action on those naked bootlegs. So, this may be a bad matchup again for Pittsburgh, so I'm going to lay these points with the Browns. Yeah, I mean, obviously these two teams play each other really close, but I am I am interested in why this line is so close considering how the Steelers played and looked. But I do think the Steelers are a much better team than what they showed. They got punched in the mouth early and then just couldn't really recover from it. But going off of that, looking at this Rams and 49ers game, mm. the 49ers are laying a touchdown at the Rams. We do know that it... Who's got the airplane flying over their house? Yeah. I do. No, 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 it's fine. You're fine. Yeah, you're fine. I was like, I thought, I thought Brinson was like hitting one of the. No, 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 no. I was like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, hey, look, my Rams, your Niners. It's, yeah, my Rams, my Niners, your Rams. Look, I mean, uh, the 49ers going into LA, they like to say it's Levi's South because it is a heavy 49ers population that lives in Los Angeles. They're laying a touchdown. Should they cover this? Yeah, they should. Um, but I do know, 
I think that the Rams feel really good about themselves after what they were able to put forward against the Seahawks because a lot of people are high on the Seahawks. The Niners offense was firing on all cylinders. Um, so I expect that to kind of carry over. And much to my dismay, Brinson, uh, certainly the Rams offense was moving and grooving as well. Yes, they got lucky with some injuries to Seattle. Um, but I don't think that their defense is going to go hold up as well against the 49ers. I have the Niners getting to about 30 again. And I do think even with some mediocre play from um, Matthew Stafford, they could get a couple touchdown 10 points on there. Uh, I know it's 44, but I do still lean on this over. I think the 49ers are going to have a really good game. And I do think that this um, this offense from the Rams is is able to put down a couple touchdowns. Is, is it the... Um... I always get these all, all mixed up, but it's like because like Sean McVay kind of owns Pete Carroll, but oh yeah, but but Kyle Shanahan kind of owns Sean McVay. Yeah, except right? for when he counts in the NFC Championship game. But yeah, oh like what? But just one time. I feel like he's gotten him like I feel like he's gotten the most of him pretty regularly. And so that would and be my. I think he's undefeated in the preseason, or maybe he's lost one. Or I'm not. Preseason, he's lost like one. Season. Yeah, I mean, like the Niners do really really well against the Rams, and that's like some of that is just like. Kyle Shannon knows what Sean McVay is going to do. And like, that, there's just a familiarity with it. Um, I, I would, I, I'd be curious. If, like what, I, what would the look ahead line was this before the Rams won? Oh, I can see. Oh. I don't think it was like spiked up that much because the 49ers were so dominant. Right. Um, I would be, I would probably be, it's at the Rams. But it, but, that, but don't, it's not a home game for the Rams because it'll be filled with 49ers right. fans. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little scared. I mean, I'm going to end up taking the Rams because I'm just going to lean into my personal narrative. But I'm a little scared yeah. at seven that that that's too many points. Um, not that like that it's that the 49ers just might be that team this year, and that they're going to come in and and absolutely dominate. Uh, you know, I think that's probably like my my biggest concern. But what um, I'm saying is, is I think this Rams offense is better than at least I thought it was going to be. I think the Niners win this game. I think they put up a lot of points, but I actually Yeah, I don't like that overlook. I think that's Well, good and then here. well cuz the, the what was it? The the Steelers weren't able to get a first down in like the entire first this half. This entire like first half they couldn't get a first down. Yeah. And I think you know, Matt Canada versus Sean McVay. I mean, this is a, like a, a laugh riot when you talk about a comparison of like different coaches who are, you know, and this line's already up to 8 by the way. So that means People liking the Niners here. And, and it opened at four and a half. It opened at four and a half and it's already gone up to eight. Four and a half would be nice. I would take the 49ers. <laughs> half, <I think. laughs> um, elsewhere in, uh, in it was sort of NFC West news. The commanders who played an NFC West team and won their, uh, their first home game under Josh Harris are what three and a half point dogs in happen? Denver. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, Alex, you uh, you have a you have a you like uh, the Commanders here getting three and a half. I do like the Commanders here getting three and a half. I know obviously the game was close against Arizona, but I really think they got Arizona's best shot in that game. We also saw a very conservative game plan as well from this Commanders offense. They relied heavily on field position on the defense. They ran the football a ton. I expected Sam Howell to open things up a little bit more. I expected to utilize those two very good outside wide receivers and Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. Uh, I think they can have success against this Broncos team. But I just, it's just Russell Wilson is just still looking like Russell Wilson of the Broncos versus the perennial yeah. MVP candidate that we saw obviously in Seattle for close to, you know, seven or eight seasons, uh, just not inspiring a lot of confidence there. Uh, just looking at this Broncos offense, just not a lot of speed, not a lot of cohesion. Can't really tell what they want to do defensively. Uh, not very impressed either. So yeah, I think this game can be very close at three and a half. I just think this commander's team is balanced. They have a very good defense. And despite the sluggish performance, I still, and high on Sam Howell for the rest of the season. Yeah, so he yeah, made I some like mistakes, but he's going to clean that up. I agree with you. Anything, Emery? Um, no. No. I, 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 I lean towards the commanders here, too, three and a half. I think that's more likely to get inside the three. Uh, you know, look, September games in Denver can always be tough, but um, the like Denver's defense didn't do anything to inspire me, and certainly um, their offense was. The, offense would have, the passing game was good. The problem for Denver, and I've said this all throughout the offseason, their running game. You had a couple of times where there was a lot of meat left on the bones from these running backs that just couldn't get that extra yard or two. And so it wouldn't surprise me, and I said this before, if they're in play for a Kareem Hunt or a Leonard Fournette, someone has to be able to get those yards that, that are there to be gotten. 
because uh, the passing game was clicking. They were they were in tune, but at some point in time, you know, the pass with a passing game, three things can happen. It could be a completion, incompletion, or a turnover. So you you play in the odds every time you throw a football with a run game, you have to be able to lean on that. So if they had nothing to lean on, that kind of favors Washington in this game in terms of their defense. But I expect the Broncos defense to be a lot better. I think that game changed against the Raiders with that hit Kareem Jackson, which was a legal hit. Yeah. But the guy just was knocked oh, out. Oh, Jacoby Myers, yeah. Right. And so now you react to the reaction and you throw the flag. That changed the complexity of the game. And so Jimmy G was also getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He did take some shots, but he got the ball out. You hope that Howell is able to do that, but also he has the element of the athletic part where he can get out of dodge and get you know take off. So hey, Jimmy, Jimmy iced the game with a run. So I mean, exactly. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, well, we thought good. he was, we thought he was out in the the first like series. Right when he got hit in the rib. Like, oh, right? here we go again, Jimmy right, Garoppolo injured. So yeah, so it's a it's there a yeah. unique matchup for for Denver and for Washington. Uh, this will be a good football game to watch, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree. All right. That is going to be the end of our show for our early leans for week two. You'll want to tune in on Thursday for our pick show with RJ White. Uh, and by the way, make sure you just keep it locked with us all week long for more NFL news. Tomorrow, it's Brinson, Breach, and Wilson with Pete Prisco to discuss. We rank stuff. Week. Last week, we ranked Taylor Swift songs and NFL oh. teams. Who knows what we'll rank tomorrow? TBD. Okay. I thought it, okay, I thought it was all football, but we... No, no, no. I'm, I want to make Pete okay. rank things he doesn't want to rank. Like, all, <laughs> all year long, just every Tuesday, like, Pete has to rank something he's... Like, I'm going to make him rank fruits tomorrow. I don't like if, fruits. if you're in the chat tomorrow, dro drop things that you would like Pete Prisco uh, yeah. to rank. I think that would be super fun. All right, one last reminder to show some love. Like, comment, and subscribe. Hit uh, the subscribe on the YouTube page. And if you're listening to audio only, download, leave a five-star review, tell your friends to listen and watch the pod, and we'll see you later.